it's more uh, a a signal that 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 a lot of um, a lot of companies are using just to to say like we're not falling behind technologically you know like we're we're participating in this too you are listening to the mindful business security show brought to you by Focivity where we answer your questions and simplify information security for small businesses. Get the clarity you need to focus on the things that matter. Well, hello. You're listening to the Mindful Business Security Show. I'm your host, Accidental CISO. Welcome. I'm glad to have you listening today. I know I always have to say it, but please be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. It really helps us out, and you'll be sure to catch the next episode. One of the big technologies, if not the biggest, of the past year is AI. While the underlying technology has been developing for a long time now, it's reached a point where it's broadly usable and we're starting to see mass adoption. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what you should know about AI and what it is and what it isn't and some of the risks that you should be considering as you decide to use AI-based tools in your small business. My guest host this week is an old friend. He's been in tech for over 20 years now, and I've had the pleasure of knowing him for at least 15 of those years. Over the course of his career, he's held a wide range of roles, from deploying and managing physical and cloud infrastructure, to software engineering, to professional services. If that variety of roles wasn't enough, he's worked in those roles in many different industry verticals, including education, healthcare, legal, security, retail, banking, insurance, automotive, marketing, uh, just to name a few. He's always had the knack for bridging technical and business teams and focusing on business outcomes. Uh, For the last six years, he's been a solutions engineer at Data Robot, helping clients all over the world implement artificial intelligence and machine learning services. And when he's not working, he has an impressive collection of vintage and retro video games, computers, and electronics. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining me. Welcome, Brent Hinks. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, man, it is awesome. Like I said, uh, you know, Brent is an old friend, so this is really, really cool. I've had lots of new friends guest hosts on this, but this is uh, an old friend from almost what seems like a past life. First and foremost, uh, tell me a little bit about your collection of vintage and retro gear. Like, how big is this collection, and what's your favorite game or device? Oh man, it's um, it's it's pretty large. It's it's focused mostly on uh, older video game consoles. It it kind of started when uh, a close friend of mine found his old NES in his parents' attic, and and he sold it to me. and And then I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll rebuild my old game collection from when I was a kid. So I went I went back to. Atari and um, and from there I started getting into some of the old like uh, the Atari 400 and 600 uh, home computers and like the TI 99 and um, yeah so it, it's in, in terms of software I've got I've got close to 2,000 uh, you know games mostly um, and and then and then probably about a hundred different devices and consoles. Uh, the Atari is still my, the, the 2600, that's that's still my favorite. I mean, how'd you end up getting like into this hobby to begin with? Yeah, it's, it, it was really just, it was nostalgia. Um, 
and and you know reconnecting with uh with, with my inner child and realizing hey I actually have enough money now to buy all the cool stuff that I never got to play with when I was a kid. Um, so I've got, you know, I, 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 I got really into like old basic programming again for a little bit. Um, you know, kind of where I, where I, I cut my teeth as a, as a child and yeah, it's, it's, it's just been fun to, to kind of live in that world a little bit and, and share it with my kids. That is kind of cool to, to go back and show them, a, you know, take them for that real life in-person journey through sort of the technology and computing experience that we have. I've got another friend who's big into music and that and movies and those types of things. And like they, they spend a lot of time with their daughter watching old movies from, you know, the, the 80s and that, that sort of thing and, and listening to old music and playing LP albums and that kind of stuff. And it's just such a, a quality time thing for them. It's just, it's so wholesome and I love to, to see that sort of thing. So we switch gears here just a little bit uh, and, and jump into to AI, you know, cause uh, you know, the, the old technology, you know, we're now we're going to, to meet it with some of the newest technology, I guess you could say uh, small business owners or, or, or leaders in larger organizations, you know, maybe executives or VPs and uh, folks like that, you know, they're, they're starting to be bombarded by, AI this, AI that, like all sorts of marketing campaigns and information. Can you sort of define, you know, what the practical differences are between AI and artificial intelligence and machine learning, ML? Sure. So um, AI is, is, you know, sort of the broad umbrella term for, uh, you know, a- any computer system where, where you're giving it the tools to teach itself or, or perform some, some kind of a human-like action. Um, it's, I, I, I think a, a lot of what makes up the AI space is, is still, you know, a, a lot of research type work. Uh, machine learning is a subset of AI that has really grown recently and and i think it's it's kind of taken over the 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 ai name even though it's you know as i said a subset um and you pointed this out during the intro i i thought was you know it was it was interesting to to kind of latch on to that for a little bit the the techniques the the math and algorithms and everything behind a lot of the machine learning that we're seeing now they've been around for a long time, you know, back going back to like the fifties. It's just that now we've gotten to a point where compute can scale so much and, and so cheaply that, that now we can start to build these huge, huge systems, you know, like, like chat GPT or, or, or what have you, um, you know, made up of, you know, billions of, of, uh, parameters inside this, this huge neural network. Um, machine learning comes in a few different flavors. Some of them have more business value, I think, than others. So, you know, there's, there's, um, some of the, the more, you know, what, what people would call classic techniques like, um, 
you know, uh, supervised machine learning, like, uh, techniques for, for making predictions. So, so in, in a supervised machine learning case, we would have a big data set that makes up a bunch of observations of something we might want to predict. Um, like, like, you know, maybe, uh, uh, transaction fraud at a bank, you know, something like that. We'll, we'll have a, a huge data set with a bunch of transactions that are fraud, fraudulent and a bunch that are, are not fraudulent. And we'll feed them into the machine learning algorithm and it will, you know, based on, on the, the labels that we've added onto there, it'll uh, build a model that can predict for, for new values, what, what looks like fraud and what doesn't um, there there's unsupervised learning where you just throw a bunch of data into the, the, the model and it will do something with it based on, on patterns that it recognizes. Like there, there, there might be uh, like clustering algorithms where maybe you want to feed in um, you know, a, a pool of, of your customers and, and, break them up into segments uh, to, to figure out maybe how to, how to target uh, different segments with different marketing campaigns. Um, and then there's like, re there's reinforcement learning where um, you're giving the model a goal that it has to achieve and, and you're, you're creating rewards and punishments uh, and, and, you know, over time it, it kind of learns to, to do the thing that you're trying to guide it toward. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, obviously this is a question that could go just like super, super deep in the weeds, but like at a high level, just, you know, since our listeners obviously aren't going to be AI, uh, experts, can you give a quick overview of just like how, AI works like when somebody goes to chat GPT or something like that and they they put in a query like what's really happening there so for for something like like chat GPT some something that's that's generative uh, it has been trained on just an enormous corpus of, of data just just text from the internet that's been fed through this huge neural network and through that training process, um, that GPT model creates, you know, in air quotes, an understanding of language. And, you know, if, um, if a certain question is presented, it, it uses that, that understanding that it has built to really essentially just predict what what the next word in the response would be. So, so it like, it's, it's really um, answering questions sort of one word at a time, but it, it's been fed with so much information that it's just really, really good at putting together a coherent response. I've only played with it just a little bit, but uh, it's, it's been incredible to me what it's able to do. Uh, but at the same time, some of what comes out of it, uh, is is a little weird stylistically and that sort of thing and uh you know obviously it, you know critical thinking isn't you know what it <laughs> is going to be good at and i've i've run into some of those use cases too where i've tried to use it for things that it's not really fit for so um if if you could wave a magic wand and have every business owner 
understand like one thing about AI, what would that, what would that one thing be? Oof. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess um, it, it's, it's hard to distill that down to one thing because there there are really a broad number of use cases for it. But I, I think the the biggest uh, sticking point that I see with with a lot of organizations that that are are trying to get started with AI, it, it's that they don't have the the data ready to to support the the training of a model or. On ongoing work with it. So, um, so quality of, of your data that you start with is, is paramount. You know, you, you aren't going to, to be able to successfully make use of, of, uh, you know, particularly a machine learning model. If, if you're not training it with, with high quality data that, that has that predictive signal that you're looking for. So it's that old adage that garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> it still rings true. Exactly. So we've got some callers waiting here on the phone to ask us some questions. You ready to go to the phones? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Let's go. Do the cybersecurity risks to your business have you confused? Visit Focivity.com slash podcast. That's F-O-C-I-V-I-T-Y dot com slash podcast and sign up to be a caller on a future episode. All right. Our first caller today is Danny from Newark. Hello, Danny. Welcome to the show. How can we help you? Yeah, I um, first all, I love the show. I, I think it's great. Uh, I'm in this particular situation of you know smaller company bootstrapped we don't take vc so naturally that comes with every single dollar counts you know so how do i it it, and it's a thing like every time that we want to go and we want to talk to potential clients and they ask us different questions about risk and things like that how do i as as a small business how do i quantify my actual risks specific to my business model and not just have to read 800 articles that one generalize everything and are most likely generalizing it towards a larger enterprise. I don't know how to filter that stuff out. And I, and I don't know how to, how to really get a grasp on that. That is a very good question. And it, and actually something that, that surprisingly a lot of organizations don't think about upfront, you know, they, they want to, to start playing with the cool new thing and then, you know, realize further down the road that they've dug themselves a, a bit of a hole that, you know, in terms of um, managing risk. Uh, the, the, the kinds of risks to look out for really depend on how you're using a technology like AI. Um, I think one of the biggest problems that, that uh, I see people face is uh, creating bias in models that they build. Um, and, and that can be completely unintentional, but just an artifact of, you know, uh, uh, potential bias that's been introduced into the, the data by, you know, humans that have, have put it in. Um, in I, 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 an example, I, I, I suppose, would be... Um, maybe 
uh, a model like like maybe maybe an HR kind of model. Like you know maybe you're you're using some kind of an AI system to evaluate candidates that are that are applying for a job or or, or something like that. I think there are a lot of uh, tools that are are starting to introduce you know some some kind of a, a, a feature like that and um you can you can run into in instances where the the model could be um biased against you know people that that live in certain areas or or different genders and one of the the things that that we found working with with a lot of these uh you know companies o- over the past few years um the model doesn't necessarily need to know those things about the person. Like a model can be biased against somebody based on gender by picking up on what we call proxy features where, you know, you might see this, this person went to an all female college and, and that, that piece of data will, will cause the model to, to react a certain way. So, so being able to identify situations where where the 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 model is being unfair you know that that's that that's a a big you know uh component of risk there there's also risk in uh data leakage if you're dealing with with data about people that you know needs to be kept private um you know sometimes feeding that kind of data through an AI system exposes you to, you know, potential legal risk. Um, especially when you're using a, a tool like, like chat GPT or something that's API based where you're, you're sending your data out to a third party, uh, for them to process it and, and give you a result. Uh, so, so, you know, being mindful of what kind of data is being shared across those boundaries is also very important. And I think one of the risks that comes up with this too, especially in, in small orgs, is like this concept of shadow IT, where folks are just worried about getting the job done. And, you know, every you know, everybody's moving quick and somebody thinks, you know, it could be anybody in a small organization, pulls up chat GPT, pastes a bunch of information into it, gives it a prompt, it spits out some stuff. Hey, great, we've created whatever this document we needed was. And they don't give any thought to the fact that the information they just pasted in was potentially a bunch of private data that they shouldn't have, uh, you know, customer information, or maybe just internal proprietary data uh, that's now been shared with, you know, the, this AI tool. Part of this is made better because vendors like Microsoft have started to release through their Microsoft 365 platform access to some of these AI tools that your data stays within your tenant in Office 365. So it's a little bit less concerning there. Uh, But the other data leakage thing that I've seen uh, come up lately is where folks take an AI tool of some sort, maybe a bot, customer service bot on their website, and it's linked with other internal systems so that it has access to be able to do customer service. But the problem is now that bot through creative prompt writing and question asking can potentially pass data from within the company that it's not, that it has access to, but it's not necessarily supposed to share, pass it out. And, And folks have figured out ways to do strange things with, with prompts and repeat prompts over, you know, 
different things where all of a sudden the, the thing starts kind of puking out training data and training data translates to the internal data that was fed into it to, to train the model. So training data in that case means your internal documents that it had access to, uh, to look at, to, to be able to do that stuff. So there are, are definitely some risks that you've got to be uh, paying attention to. And I think, you know, data leakage, both, you know, people being able to trick it into giving it data that's not supposed to, but also people putting data into the system that they weren't supposed to. And, you know, some of this comes down to education within your organization and, you know, how you classify the data, make sure people know certain types of data can and can't be used with this, what tools you are and are not allowed to use. Uh, and part of it comes down to making sure that if you're going to expose AI tools externally, like that chat bot, that it doesn't have access to everything you've got. You're not just connecting it to a huge data pool, like you're only giving it access to the specific things that it is going to need. Um, and even then, that may not be totally safe at this point. <laughs> so this is all very, uh, you know, still very early in the, the mass adoption. So it's been crazy to see all of the the jailbreaking techniques that people have come up with you know not, and not just for the for the the text based models but even like the image generation um you know there 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 are lots of uh bizarre uh ways that that people can construct these prompts and and get the models to do things that that nobody nobody like nobody thought they they'd be able to do because of of guardrails that that we we try to build around which i suppose also introduces like copyright issues because if all of a sudden something too closely matches an original photograph that's copyrighted by a photographer or original text that you know is copyrighted by the author and it's being spit out into something and gets used in some commercial thing or an advertisement you know there there's potentially some risk there too with, with AI is who, who really owns that intellectual property that's coming out of it. Yeah. I, I, I could, I could turn this into a three hour conversation pretty easily if we stay on that topic. <laughs> but, but things to be aware of. And, and obviously I think in, in those areas too, this is one of those areas where I think, you know, legal counsel may be able to help with some of this stuff. If you can find a lawyer that is really familiar with, you know, the, the law and, and this, stuff to understand, especially the, the the copyright and the potential data disclosure risks there. Yeah. Did you have an, another? Oh yeah. I was so busy listening to you guys answering. I, I got lost in the sauce there for a second. Um, and, and that the, your, your last comment really kind of leads into the other thing that I was curious about. So, I mean, I have a team, right? Highly technical. Um, that's what I rely on them on. I'm doing more of the business side, but I'm still interested and I still want to try to keep on top and be able to funnel these things to my team. Do you have suggestions for where I can actually go to find out how much of what I'm reading is useful and how much of it is not, but in plain English, right? Like not to, you know, I like where I come in life, but you know, a lot of the technical jargon, you really start to get lost in it. Are you have resources or you have places you go that can really just be like, all right, here's I mean, it's a very technical topic, obviously, but like as plain English as can be. I, you know, what one of the challenges with 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 that is that you know there's a lot of content that's highly technical for you know the 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 people that are kind of on the 
the the cutting edge of of you know the research and and you know really interested in the bits and bytes of it and then there's a lot of content that's marketing fluff and there there isn't a ton that that's that's in the middle but um but one thing that i i i can definitely recommend um there there are some uh some courses that that are that are targeted at just you know normal like non-technical folks to 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 kind of educate um about uh ai systems and and how they work um in particular what what i was looking for uh on on coursera andrew ing uh has has some some machine learning courses um and 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 I've gone through those in the past to you know uh, see how technical the content was and and you know who I could recommend that that content to and 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 I think it's a great place for business leaders you know especially like people that that want to implement this kind of technology but you know you're you're not going to be sitting there writing code you know it it, it kind of gives that high level overview of. Um, of, of, of how things work. Awesome. Fantastic. That's exactly really what I'm looking for um, to funnel that. No, I, I really appreciate y'all's time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Danny, for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Great, great questions and prompted some good, good uh, conversation here. So appreciate it. Have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk to you later. And our next caller on the phone today is Larissa from Palm Springs. Oh, that sounds wonderful because it's all cold and snowy here where I am today. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, what? How can we help you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's a, an honor to be with you, and it's a great show. And I've learned already from what um, from what y'all have shared with Danny from Newark. I've got two questions today. The first one is very related to Danny's first question. Just as a quick background, I work in cybersecurity. Actually, I work in government risk and compliance and policy for defense and energy. But I'm also a teacher and a coach for micro small businesses, right? Solopreneurs and people with maybe five or less seats, the people who don't really usually get security tools made for them. Um, the kind of the biggest risk that they face in their threat environment usually is ransomware getting locked up and locked out either themselves or through something that a customer, you know, a close customer, close touch customer has done. Um, there's a lot of fear out there. And I guess from your perspective, you know, what is it that we can expect from AI getting involved in ransomware lockup attempts, given that our adversaries are already doing such a great job? It's so easy to get the fruit off the tree. This is something that that honestly keeps me up at night. The rapid acceleration of of the the development of the, of especially these generative technologies um has just it, it, it's it's gone so far beyond the the point that it's it's easy to um you know not not even just from a business perspective but just from you know being a citizen of the world you're just you're so exposed to 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 so many kinds of attacks now that um that are going to be so much more sophisticated than you know anything that we've seen before you know it, it's uh 
for for the people that have have experienced the pain of of trying to to help an elderly elderly relative uh not fall victim to to one of these like gift card scams or whatever good luck protecting them from a a panicked phone call in the voice of their grandchild asking for an immediate wire transfer to get them out of some emergency those kinds of attacks are happening now um because you know voice impersonation is is so simple now with with very little training data um so so yeah the the landscape of what we need to watch out for is definitely going to grow quite a bit in in the coming years and uh and and i think it's kind of it, it it's kind of funny that a lot of the safeguards that, that we can build against those kinds of threats are also going to come from ai um you know giving give giving uh you know, folks, the ability to, to, to identify messages or content, uh, that, that, that might be generated by another AI system. Um, it's, it's, it's very scary. And, and, uh, the, the, the thing that makes me sad is that I don't have like a, a good answer for like how, how to protect against it because, um, you know, it's 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 just one of those situations where the 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 bad guys have the same awesome tools that the good guys have, and you know, we're just going to have to kind of play catch up as we see, you know, how how they make malicious use of that technology. One of the things that I see too is like the way that we train folks, for instance, to look for phishing emails is you watch for errors. Because a lot of them were are maybe non-native English speakers and that sort of thing. So like there's just little things in the way things that are phrased that are just a little goofy from translation from one language to another. AI eliminates that to a large extent and allows non-native speakers to write very good, well-written, but also like stylistically correct because they could train it off of the types of things that system generated stuff from Microsoft has. So, you know, your Microsoft or your Google system generated things that come out, like they can use this to to create whatever they want that looks just like those, but they can build in, you know, kind of the urgency and other things. So there's still certain things you can watch for, like for, you know, a sense of urgency that it they try to instill, but it's going to make it much harder for, not just for professionals, uh, you know, to identify, but I mean, much, much harder for folks that aren't, the techies. Uh, And somebody asked me several years ago uh, about one of the things that I was most worried about upcoming kind of changing threats. And at the time I was, I was saying deep fakes because we'd get to a point where we couldn't trust anything we, we saw or heard on the internet. You know, I get, you know, I'm a technologist. I never said I was a good technologist because the piece that I missed in that was AI and the speed at which people are going to, be able to pull this stuff up in real time or near real time to do this, you know, to do those phone calls and voice changing and, and videos of of people that are indistinguishable from real, but they end up generated by AI and they don't take days or weeks or hours or months to create. They take seconds. I, I completely didn't connect the culmination of those two. So I was, I was half right. 
but you know, and I and I feel like with with businesses that that brings in risk, uh, you know, PR risks. You know, with the, some you know executive of a business or the owner of a business, some video is released that they're doing something or saying something that is completely falsified, but it could destroy entire businesses potentially if all of a sudden people you know see that and are like, I'm never going to shop there again if you know, something goes viral. Like, I mean, there's all sorts of risks that are being brought up with this that. Uh, you know, are, aren't even considered. I think for small businesses though, like, you know, the, the data leakage and, and stuff that we were talking about with the, the prior caller, you know, leaking internal data through tools that you're exposing to the internet to provide a service for a customer, data leakage into the system by a helpful employee who's trying to just get their job done and they go dump internal sensitive data into one of these things. And then also these these risks that the bad guys are going to use them to scam and be criminals. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to call them hackers because you know, I, I like to use the term hacker to, to mean for the, the people who are, are learning how systems work to learn how to, to bend them and, and make them do things they're not intended to do to, to understand them and learn how to protect them. And that's not a criminal like hacking is an illegal being a criminal that's illegal. And so, at the end of the day, though, like we're up against living, breathing people that just like Brent said, they got the same tools that the good guys have. And uh, I, don't, I, I feel like it's going to get worse. I, and like, I don't want to be scary to folks like because I hate trying to, to scare people like my general attitude with security is to always talk about in the, in the positive and what you can do. And this is one of those areas where I'm really not sure yet either. I mean, there a, a couple things that that you know, come to mind. I, I think the, the social aspect of it, like we, we really need to normalize fact checking and, and follow-ups, you know, not, not, not even, you know, just in the realm of, of, you know, potential misinformation, but, you know, in, in the case of, of, you know, targeted, you know, phishing attacks or anything like that. Um, it, it, it's, I think there, there's already a lot of training that goes into, you know, like if you get the text message from your CEO saying like, oh, you need to, you know, buy $5,000 worth of so-and-so gift cards for, for some prize pool or whatever, like, you know, the, the those, those kinds of things are pretty obvious, but you know, they're, they're, like you said, there, there could be more benign looking targeted attacks now and, you know, um, it's it's going to be so important for people to just follow up with the person directly, you know, just to verify, did this come from you? And and it's um, it's something that, that I think a lot of people view as silly because we've only seen like the extreme examples of it. But, you know, it's it's going to get a lot worse and a lot harder to detect. Um, from, from a tech perspective, you know, we need to bring back PGP, (laughs) you know, everybody like not, not just for interpersonal communications, but, but for news, you know, we, we need to start getting our information from a signed, you know, trusted source and, 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 you know, make sure that, that, that we can verify where everything came from instead of just, you know, absorbing, 
random content that that could have been generated and dropped on social media or whatever you know that it's uh we're just gonna have to get very very um uh i i guess i don't know vigilant very very defensive of of you know what what those those lines of communication and information gathering are and um yeah because yeah like you said it's insane how easy it is to to generate very very authentic looking um information at this point thank you i i have a quick follow-up on something that is like a lightning round follow-up question from something that both brent and ac just mentioned you both said like take a positive action reach out go one-to-one and even though that's more labor intensive that's actually a point of strength for small businesses, right? Because like the reason that, you know, people will hire you or me as a consultant is because they trust us because I'm doing something to build up that trust. Is there, do you think there's a way to spin this into the positive, whether it's putting a little risk reduction video out on your own website or having your little Facebook bot say, here are some of the things I will never do. I will never ask you. And if you want to verify that, please reach out to me directly. Here's my, you know, that, what do you think about that kind of approach? I mean, I'm not asking for legal advice, but you know, what do you think about the approach? I, I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, to, to kind of establish the, those, those kinds of expectations for, for how, how you as, you know, especially a security consultant, you know, how you would interface with, with the, the folks that you're working with. Um, and, and, and I, I think that's a great opportunity to, 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 you know, like I said, normalize some of those verification sort of actions and, and, you know, maybe instilling that into, into people to, to kind of like carry across other aspects of their lives too. And not, you know, not, not just this, this one interaction. Wow. Thank you. And and that verification, you know, for Brent mentioned a tool uh, called PGP that was, originally built to help encrypt and secure email, you know, because email is a, a technology that was, has been around for a very long time, you know, and it originated at a time when there was a lot of trust in the network before the internet became what it is today. And so PGP was a tool that was created, number one, to encrypt information. So you could send encrypted emails across a network and not worry about that being intercepted at any of the, the hops through these complex networks, you know, cause the internet's just a network of networks, lots of hops, you know, that stuff goes through. So protect it that way. But the other big thing for PGP was that the information was, was signed cryptographically or electronically. It was a, a digital signature, much like when you sign with DocuSign or something like that, that could be verified that the person who you think it was that created this information was in fact the one who created it. And it hasn't been mutated or modified in some way. And that person, you know, like Larissa is coming, like you could post a piece of information on your website, you know, a, well, now granted, this isn't quite ready for, I think prime time of just of non-technical folks, but you would post this piece of information potentially on your, your website that's what we will call a public key. That public key can then be used by anybody to validate the signature on the information you put out. And I, I think we will probably start seeing businesses 
and especially media outlets start signing uh, their stuff so that you can tell that this article hasn't been adjusted. This picture is legitimately the first one. The There's a lot of folks that don't like blockchain technologies. And blockchain is just another form of database. But one of the key things with blockchain is it allows a public accessible database in a way that you don't have to trust the other people who are maintaining and accessing it because of the way it works. Now, there are problems, technical problems, environmental problems. There's lots of issues with blockchain. This is all still early in development. And the use cases for things like non-fungible token NFTs, you know, these people trade in monkey pictures and stuff on the, the internet. But those monkey pictures are like signed with like a digital title. Like some of this stuff over time with maybe some differences to the way the blockchains work could allow us to have a broad publicly accessible database that isn't maintained by a single authority and that would allow folks to keep track of sort of these signatures and these private keys and handle some of this validation and handle the unique, the identification of a device, of something as being real, legitimate. Like we're already seeing it being used in supply chains to identify the source of high-end coffee as it's being shipped through a, a supply chain. Like there's ways that these things are starting to be used. We could also look at our digital supply chains for media through this and businesses hope like we're not at a point right now where the tools out there for a small business can do this, but I'd like to see at some point, I hope to see some point where businesses can do this stuff and they can sign the stuff they put out. And if a fake video is not signed properly or something that it could be traced back to who it was that, that created it or with some amount of plausible deniability that, yo, that's fake. That's, that is not real. Don't shut me down. <laughs> you just nailed it. I mean, plausible deniability is one of the only risk mitigation techniques that the smallest businesses can afford. Yeah, this is, I don't want to scare people, but this is kind of scary, scary times. But it's also super exciting because these these tools are going to change the world. Like when we, when we think about all of these things that are developing concurrently right now, like, and they're all pretty, pretty new 10, 15, 20 years from now, like we may not recognize, like we may look back and be like, God, 10 years ago, I can't believe that was 10 years, only 10 years ago when we were still doing that. You know, I think we're going to be at a, a totally different point, but like these tech things just, they, they've got to develop more and merge before they can be usable. And sort of like Danny was saying, and we were talking earlier, there's so much marketing out there for this that trying to, to see through it and understand, you know, it's it's not magic. It's not a solve every problem thing right now. And anybody tries to tell you it is, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> selling you snake oil or something. It, it's more uh, a, a, a signal that, that, that a lot of um, a lot of companies are using just to, to say like, we're not falling behind technologically, you know, like we're, we're participating in this too, you know, even, even in the case that, um, you know, it, it's, it's not necessary. Like, uh, like Microsoft's new, new mandate for the, uh, <laughs> the, the co-pilot key that's going to be added to all PC keyboards. Um, you know, they, they aren't happy with just that windows key anymore. Uh, 
like there there they're gonna be I, I think sort of a lot of silly things that that happen in the near term but but yeah the um the the advancement of this technology and then you know all of these different disciplines coming together to 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 build you know uh more capable intelligent agents that that can help us with like day-to-day things you know i i'm i'm very i'm very excited but but yeah uh folks need to know to 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 kind of watch out and and you know be aware that um the the malicious capabilities are 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 real like it's not it's not something that that you know what a one pair of eyes can can easily pick out um so so yeah that, that's vigilance uh but 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 also excitement because it, it's it's gonna get really cool too <laughs> thank you so very much for both of your time and mind share i know that the people that i work with are going to be very grateful because i got smarter i'm very grateful <laughs> to you <laughs> Yay. and i hope you hope you both get some better weather and a good weekend Yes. Thanks. Same to you. <laughs> All right. You can you can send us a little bit of your good weather from Palm Springs. I'm sending you the sunshine. <laughs> Take care, you guys. Man, those were fantastic questions from our our callers. Like, thank you so much to our callers for for coming with questions and prompting that that amazing conversation. Um, do you have any final thoughts? You know, if we think back at what we talk about or conversations here with with the callers, any any sort of parting thoughts or you know, takeaways that you want folks to make sure they remember, you know, coming from this? Um, I, I mean, really, I, I, I think uh, I, I, I definitely encourage folks to, uh, you know, not be afraid to, to, to dip their toes into this kind of technology. Um, there are a lot of tools that are becoming available that can help folks that don't have, you know, highly technical teams still take advantage um, of, uh, of this kind of technology, you know, a lot of uh, like auto ML tools and things like that, that, that can, that, that can help abstract away some of the, the, the highly technical uh, um, tasks that go into using AI. Um and, but, you know, also, uh, you know, keeping in mind uh, data quality, you know, making making sure that 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 you are able to, you know, properly represent the thing that you want to maybe predict. Um, you know, it's 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 important to, to kind of build a good uh, data gathering practice uh, as well. And, and, you know, obviously being mindful of um, where that data is, is being sent as as we we discussed quite a bit today. Yeah. I, th- I think the real takeaway as we think through, you know, kind of as scary as this is and as fast as this stuff is changing, it it is going to be world changing. Like the, these things are, this is going to continue to happen quickly. And the folks who learn how to embrace it and learn how these tools work, like it's almost going to become the new literacy in a way. And that if you if you resist now, like you're going to be playing catch up for a long time potentially. So even though it is scary, 
you know, don't let that stop you from exploring this and looking to where you can use this as a force multiplier in your business. Just make sure that you're going to into it eyes wide open and just think about how it could be misused and just know that, you know, these technologies aren't inherently safe. And, you know, that that as you decide to use AI in your organization, just make your thing, make sure you're asking the questions of the vendors and other folks of like, you know, understand the risks. If I buy this, what are the risks as we implement this in my organization? And and keeping in mind just that it's not it's not all just, you know, unicorns and rainbows. We got to try to make sure we stay safe. And uh <laughs> So I think I think that was was ultimately kind of my my takeaway is just opening people's eyes to the stuff's really cool and it's coming fast. It's not, you know, it's a double edged sword or can be and, you know, just make the best of it. And then one last thing, Brent, where can folks find you online if they want to reach out or contact you somehow or, or follow you? Well, um, I have actually recently uh, reduced my social media footprint quite a bit. Um, you can you can certainly find me on LinkedIn uh, or you can you can reach out to me over email at behinks at gmail.com. So thank you so much, Brent, for coming on the show with me today. This was a lot of fun. It was amazing to get to hang out and geek out with you here. Uh, and I want to say thank you to each of you listening today. Uh, our you know, you, our listeners are also amazing and we really appreciate you taking the time to, to listen to the show. If you like what we're doing and you find it valuable, please, please, please share it with others. You sharing and telling others about the show and the information that's in the show is how we're going to help reach more people with this information and try to make things just a little bit better and a little bit of difference every day. So I am Accidental CISO and until next time, stay mindful. Don't miss our next episode. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app and follow us on social media. Visit Focivity.com slash podcast. That's F-O-C-I-V-I-T-Y dot com slash podcast for show information and links to our social media pages. This has been the Mindful Business Security Show brought to you by Focivity.